Welcome to the last Wednesday of the week, the multi-tool of sports podcasts brought to you every Wednesday, where we bring you highlights of the week just gone in sport. We usually get stuck into some meaty middles, and of course we look ahead to what's on the radar for the weekend coming up. So join me, Dan, with my colleagues Ben and Simon on this, the last Wednesday of the week. On this week's show... Simon's back Yay! and so we've had two weeks of football so I've allowed Ben and Simon <laughs> to dedicate an entire meaty middle to football 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 yes this week uh, there's been lots of goings on in the Premier League and further afield so uh, the gents will talk about football today um, we've also got some exciting news of an interview coming up towards the end of this month all details will be revealed so join us on this the last Wednesday of the week Simon it's nice to hear you again welcome back hi he's thrilled <laughs> to be here <laughs> I am exercising I, I don't know if everyone knows what happened I went off to get married so um, yay. so I'm exercising my right to display the one emotion I'm now allowed misery <laughs> You were doing pretty good at that before you got married, to be fair. That's true. That's <laughs> consistency, Dan. Consistent 7 out of 10, you know. That's a good, like, footballing thing. So, you know, consistency with his podcast is is something we should all try and, you know. I'm going to challenge well. you to pick a new emotion for next week. I'm going to choose fear. <laughs> okay. All right, let's see how that transpires or through your voice. arousal. Is that an emotion? I suppose it's not really an emotion, is it? It's not, It's a state, isn't it? Like Wyoming. Why a coyote? <laughs> State jokes. Ben, ben, you're here um, in not necessarily in 100% form, are you? You are uh, in full flow with uh, man flu. Yeah, it's uh, it's dark, it's it's dangerous, <laughs> um, kind of cool, gives me a raspy voice. Um, and I, I've just checked actually that Cristiano Ronaldo just scored, equalised for Manchester United in Atlantis. Let's get the sports, football, sports ball going quickly. All right, so so you, you um, missed a couple of weeks, so I'm going to give you the honour of going first with your highlights of the week just gone, and I know you're going to caveat this as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, effectively, um, Dan, I'm also a tiny bit ill and had to look after my ill two-year-old today, which has also added to my, uh, you know, particularly buoyant mood. Um, so uh, I'm going to say that I am just not a big fan of sport anymore. All the teams I support are shit. And they this don't is do Simon's very well. last show with us. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do very well. And, you know, it's just hard to be a sports fan, Dan. I mean, you're not a sports fan, so it's easy for you. But for me and Ben, who have to deal with shit performances and stuff, I mean, it's a, it's a difficult life. Um, I'd also, you know, kind of moving on from that a little bit, just like to ask Ben how he's doing in our uh, NFL Fantasy League as well. Did I? I didn't look after the last uh, game. Did I scrape this week's win? No, he fucking oh, lost again, man. God. So he was I on. am zero for eight. Um, I have I've lost eight straight games in my other fantasy dream team. Uh, I'm actually five and three, so I'm actually doing a bit better in a different slightly different scoring situation. Uh, but yeah, in our league, I'm hoping not to throw a donut for the whole year. Um, what was the last NFL team to throw a donut? 
I'm thinking, was it Detroit Lions? I think going back, what, like 10, 15 years ago, something along those lines. I'll go with that. I'm sure Mm. I read that somewhere recently. But you mentioned your own teams, the Chicago Bears. It's not Mm. going quite well right now, is it? I mean, it was better this week than last week. So last week, for example, um, we played the defending champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and our quarterback and our entire team just got absolutely destroyed. Um, there were three interceptions, something like four fumbles. It was it was absolutely trash. We lost. We scored three points in the whole game, uh, and we lost. I think it was thirty eight three. So it was it was a, a battering. It was like losing. I don't know seven two at Anfield. Um, you know hey. that kind of hey, I'm back, guys. I'm back. Now, <laughs> watch the listeners come back now that I'm here. <laughs> To bring them back. I'm like the Pied Piper. Um, so, yeah. So, it's not going well. But last week was all right. The last game was all right. Uh, we we lost to San Francisco. But Justin Fields better. And at the end of the day, this is just a, a year where we are trying to find the next quarterback to lead us. And he was good this week. Um, ran for over 100 yards. Um, I know we still lost. But let's be honest. We're going to keep losing this year. And, and we'll just carry on from there. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks as well. My NHL team. They actually managed to win their first game of the season yesterday, oh, last night. So they were, uh, they'd lost eight in a row, um, kind of like self bent to be honest. Um, yeah, and and they finally managed to win a game. And it's it's getting to a stage now where I, I just hate sport because it's just, you know, it's just dreadful. Um, so I kind of wanted to give a little basic kind of rundown of various things. Now I've had a little bit of moan about my own teams and talk about underperforming teams. Um, so, oh, the Seattle Kraken has been, that was well, Ben, do you know how they're doing? The the Seattle Kraken lost the first game, Mm -hmm. uh, and then I did not follow one more (laughs) game after, after they lost to the Knights because I had to attend the wedding that was, you know, uh, immersive, a lot of dancing, Mm -hmm. uh, and then the sickness descended on the world, um, uh, you know, coincided with the, this COP26 business. And basically, I've just been focused on the environment like we all should be. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and next week, this podcast right your now. <laughs> okay, so now an environmental real, podcast the, next the week. The real excuse is uh, I'm sick. I've been watching Harry Potter films. But so, so tell me about the Kraken. It's actually uh, Apocalypse podcast from now on. It's the last Wednesday ever because <laughs> okay. of climate change. <laughs> We're nearly there, people. We're nearly there. Um, so shout out to Ash as well. He, he sent me a message that I need to reply to um, the other day. Um, he obviously appreciated the shout out. He's a Seattle. I would say he's a native. He's not. He's from, he's from Wales. But um, Cumbran in Wales. Um, but at the same point, um, yes, the Seattle Kraken have won three games and they're not doing so well so far. I think it's something like 3-1-5 and five or 3-1-6. and six. So not great. Oh. No can't be that way three six and one or something um i mean if because it's a very weird scoring system so dan you probably have no idea about this there's probably a few people listening to this don't know either um in the nhl um if your game goes to overtime you are guaranteed a point so if it goes to overtime or to uh, penalty shots you're guaranteed at least one point so even if you lose the game you're given a point so that's why they have uh, like it's effectively the equivalent of like a draw or a tie but uh, okay. in america they hate draws and ties and therefore would never go for that kind of thing uh, the rangers dan are actually doing really well he's just taking his mic he's just taking his earphones off so he can't hear us um yeah totally rangers. there's a spider crawling into my ear sorry oh that's just my insidious voice um <laughs> no so <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, the Rangers are doing very well, Dan. You should it was the Kraken awesome. coming over my shoulders. <laughs> yeah, giving you a nice massage. The Rangers, yes. They're doing well. I mean, that's that's all I know. I don't really know much more about it, but I think they're second or third within their conference, so they're doing brilliantly. So, I mean, you obviously picking on to a winner because the Giants are absolutely dreadful. So it's uh, nice. Well, to uh, Simon, I'm going to pick you up on that because, yeah, they may be dreadful, but we're um, uh, two losses, uh, six, uh, two wins, six losses. Bears are three and five. Mm-hmm. So only one yeah. better. And you're on a loss streak of three. Our loss streak mm. is only one at the moment. So, yeah. I mean, just saying. Now we're going to be on way worse than Spats that don't in, the, in the next few weeks. We're <laughs> dreadful. No, I mean, I, you can just see, feel the apathy and the, just the sadness in my, in my, uh, apathy and sadness. They really worked very well together. Um, but yeah, but yes, Rangers are currently world. second in the metropolitan division. So there you go, mate. They're doing well. Doing so well. you're back in a good team. I like it. Yeah, anyway, well, let's, let's get more of a I'm not about the glory hunt inside. It's not the glory. Mate, hunt I would anyway. never accuse you of such things. I mean, <laughs> who's your favorite F1 driver? Um, <laughs> that's the beauty of F1. There's many. <laughs> you don't have to back yourself into a corner. Yeah, you're as bad as, when they lose. <laughs> you're as bad as Ben when you, with your amazingly um, non-committed answer. I like it. Um, so let's, let's let's get into a more let's get into more structured guys. Let's get some more structure with this. Okay. So um, I'd like to shout out a couple of teams in the NFL that aren't doing as we'd like. So uh, Browns obviously being one team lost most of their starting starting lineup uh, last few weeks. Uh, Baker Mayfield was back at the weekend. And they still lost to the Steelers. Um, but yeah, it's not looking good for them so far. They were effectively one of the chosen teams and and it's not really gone well. Um, speaking on chosen teams as well, you've got the Chiefs at four and four. So they played last night. They won against uh, Dan's uh, New York Giants by three points. I think it was, was it 21, actually, was it 21-17? So it was four points. Um, and overall, yeah, it was not a, a particularly impressive performance. And it's been a, a, a bit of a Super Bowl hangover for them since uh, since uh, February. And it's been pretty awful. Um, ben, obviously, I mean, you follow the NFL as well. I know you've been a little bit the worse for wear. But um, you think you can agree the Chiefs have been lackluster? Honestly, absolutely loving the NFL this season. It has been absolutely brilliant. Um, and there's been a few upsets. There has been, you know, you mentioned the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that um, uh, beat the Bears. They went and lost to the, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Chiefs are just not looking very good. It's not, it's not like they're, they're, they're losing games here and there. They're just not, not playing very good at all. Um, and I think, uh, did Mahomes have his first ever game without throwing a touchdown only a couple of games ago? He's throwing interceptions at the moment. Um, and there is a couple of surprise packages this season that have kind of come out of nowhere that look absolutely incredible. For me, you know, the Bengals, so exciting to watch at the moment. So much attacking threat. Jamar Chase looks like he's been in the NFL leagues for uh, a decade. He's unbelievable. Um, you've got... Um, the Rams, absolutely incredible. Um, and obviously the Arizona Cardinals doing really well at the moment. And also the Pats are starting to turn up a little bit. They're playing some much better football. Hmm. Um, I, you, If you compare it quickly to, to soccer, you know, there's four, the top four in, in soccer okay, at the moment, and that's Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Manchester City and Manchester United. One of those teams are guaranteed to win the Premier League. There is no chance any other team in the league can win the Premier League this season, maybe next season as well. In the NFL, I, I can't call who's going to win this. At the beginning of the season, we thought Tampa Bay, yeah, surely. They've tripped up a few games recently. They have looked vulnerable. Yeah, they've got this incredible attack, but 
they're not winning every single game like you would expect them to. Um, and there are teams like the Cardinals and the, the Bengals who could genuinely cause massive upsets. And I, I, I do think one of the LA teams will be in that final in Los Angeles. I mean, going off what you're saying on the Bengals, not to um, not to contradict you a little bit. I mean, they have been fantastic this year and had some great performances, but they lost themselves at the weekend to the New York Jets, who are the, the worst second, team. second worst team. Probably, I suppose the Lions are probably the worst team, um, but second worst team in the whole th- uh, the whole game. So yeah, I mean, it's just been crazy, and, and I think that's I mean that's what we like. We like upsets. We like craziness. We don't want predictability, and I think that's what attracts. British people to American sports is the fact that you'd have that level of unpredictability and it's not just, and I mean, this is bizarre thinking because I mean, America is the home of capitalism, but it's not just about the guys with the biggest purse that can, that can buy the title every year. Like it is in the premier league. It's, it's about, um, you know, picking, you know, drafting players, it's uh, developing players and, and, and seeing if we get a well-rounded team and, and, and it creates craziness and it creates uh, unpredictability that we love. Yeah, and there's another team after the incredible summer narrative of that man, Aaron Rodgers, effectively, you know, complaining about his whole franchise not giving him any weapons. They're low-key destroying teams right now. Are they 8-1, and 7-1 and one for the season now? Um, and looking very strong. They've got to be a shout as well for another uh, Super Bowl, uh, well, definitely playoffs, but Super Bowl team. Yeah, I mean... You can't put your finger on any team right now. I think I think it's still too early. And the thing is, one team can get to the playoffs and you think they're gonna be amazing and then they they just they just lose their first game. It's it's really it's really difficult to put your finger on it. And I mean, like, for example, the Titans have, have lost Derek Henry for four to six weeks now. He's like out with a foot injury. Um they thought his season would be over, so I suppose four to six weeks isn't horrendous. But, I mean, that's a big loss for the Titans. And I think they'll go on a massive slide now because uh, what are they going to do without him? So, I mean, it's so difficult. And I, I don't, I would never in the in the aim of a game of predicting this early because, as I said, there's just so many teams that are winning and so many teams that are going to, you know, slip up. And, and, I mean, you know, maybe the Bears will win a game before the end of the year. But, I mean, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll and see. then what emotional state will you be in? Um, I don't know because if it keeps my our head coach Matt Nagy in a job, it may still be sad. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, moving on, last last ball I kind of wanted to talk about, and I've got some absolute doozy of a fact to start off here with. So, um, certain big teams that we know about, um, we know are going to be good: the uh, Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Hawks, various teams like that. Come off to a bit of a slow start. So, um, Hawks and Nets are four and three. Uh, the Bucks are three and four. Bucks have been ravaged by injuries. Um, a so you're talking about basketball now? NBA, yes, yeah. NBA. NBA. I did say it, didn't I? NBA? I didn't catch it. You didn't catch it? Bob I didn't catch it. it. Bring me the biggest goose in the I did one of those things where I changed what I was going to say halfway through the mm. sentence and gonna, nothing made it. sense at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Just basketball. to recap, is this, is this basketball? <laughs> it is. It is basketball, yeah. Okay, yeah, cool. It is. it is. The Nubur. Yeah. So uh, Bucks have been ravaged by injuries, but the Nets and the Hawks, uh, two players have been affected um, probably more than anybody. So Trey Young um, and, and Harden from from the Nets have been affected. Um, there's one player um, that uh, in the in currently playing in NBA that is basketball. Dan uh, today, 
um, has more three throws attempted than field goals attempted. Um, wow. Do either of you know who that might be? No. Dan won't. He watched about six games of basketball. <laughs> what? What? Uh, can I ask what team? Um, I have mentioned him so far. Oh, um, I don't know. You'll have to tell me. James Harden. So, oh, okay. uh, former, you know, top two MVP candidate multiple times, fantastic offensive player, has more free throws attempted in his career than field goals. That is insane. Is, that, this, is that a tactic yes. thing? Is that a play? So if those two guys that you have mentioned there are two of the best at winning, um, basically winning fouls. I and mean, it doesn't really make sense as a statement, but um, so uh, the NBA this year have made a whole new um, kind of cohesive census around making sure that uh, players aren't winning fouls that they shouldn't be getting. And effectively the way that they do that is by if they shoot a shot, they kick their leg out and someone goes to close them down and, touches the leg and they go down or you know someone leans in at a weird angle when they're shooting so instead of going right up like you would for a shot you know someone's coming in so you lean to your right or something so they can't you know hit you with the body uh, and it's called a foul so these two guys especially have um have kind of made a career of that especially Harden who's obviously been in the league for a lot longer um but neither of them at the moment are shooting over 40 percent I don't believe which is it's just you know kind of the bog standard NBA player shoots above 40% and they're having, you know, really trying starts to the year. And I think it's kind of shown with uh, the way their teams have performed. I mean, you could also argue with the Nets that they're missing Kyrie Irving during the uh, vaccine farce that we've we talked about on previous shows, um, which is still unresolved, I believe. Uh, but yeah, it just goes to show that, you know, a revolution of the rule books can really affect the way some players play. Is this a case of... A bit like the Galacticos, maybe not some not a great example, but in the way they've amassed a team of all these superstars, because Harden was shooting, I mean, I think he got got the record for thirty point games mm. in a row um, off Oscar Robertson uh, when he was playing for the Houston Rockets. Like the guy was unbelievable. It was every single game he was posting numbers, thirties, forties. It was into the fifties. It was just relentless. Is he, was that because he was a massive player in that team? Is it, is it now because he's a much smaller part of the, of the Brooklyn side? Well, I mean, it's always going to have to, um, even a player of his amazing offensive output is going to have to take second fiddle to Kevin Durant, who is one of the greatest offensive players of all time, basically. Um, and effectively a better player than James Harden. But at the same point, yes, I think through a little bit, I think um, struggles of fitting these guys into a team have also been an issue. Um, you know, when you have so much money invested in three players, it doesn't allow you to fill the rest of your team with um, particularly competent players. I mean, you're getting guys off the bargain bin or the odd really, really, really old veteran player who's, you know, 38, 39 uh, probably only play about five, 10 minutes a night. And I think that's also affected things as well. I mean, he's, his assists numbers have gone through the roof and that's probably because he's playing with, with better, better other players. Um, but yeah, I think this year, obviously the NBA, it starts off a little squiffy, like all leagues, you know, the first 10 games, there's always some shot results, but also, um, yeah, I think the lock, la- loss of, um, of Kyrie Irving to take a little bit of the burden off the, off, off the other two, um, you know, help run a, a competent, because uh, you always need a, a good point guard to run a competent offense. You really do. Um, 
And yeah, so I think a mix of all things, but I think really do genuinely think that this new kind of rule that's been brought in by the NBA to limit the amount of fouls that are won by these types of players has really affected them. And and I think it's really interesting to see how things go in the end. I think they're really going to have to change the way that both of them play um, a little bit just to either find another way to win fouls or, or play a different style completely. And I think that'll be very interesting down the road. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we've seen, you know, you mentioned that with Harden. There's another player that kind of echoes that similar uh, run is, is Russell Westbrook from my Thunder, who was, you know, breaking triple-double records, uh, Westbrook was, and taking Thunder to the playoffs. Absolutely incredible. And now he's obviously part of the Lakers set up with, with LeBron James. And it just feels that you've got a couple of teams in the NBA that have amassed all this insane talent. Um, and it's just a bit crazy. One question I do have for you, because I keep reading about it uh, on NBA, is Ben Simmons. What, and if you know, is going on with Ben Simmons? Is he just a crazy, crazy fool of a man? Or has he got a reason for being such a dick? So um, I'll go back to Westbrook very, very briefly, because I'm, I'm aware we've kind of probably run a little bit long with all of this. Um and I know how Dan likes his numbers. So um, <laughs> he likes his minutes. Um, so um, I talk about Westbrook. I mean, that's been a real strange situation. The Lakers have been a very slow start as well. I think they're on four and three as well. And, and that's been hit and miss. I think they lost their first game against the Nets pretty handily in the end. Was it? No, it wasn't the Nets. They played. First. I can't remember who they played first, but they lost, you know, they've lost uh, three games. They've not looked particularly great. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of teams trying to find themselves so far. Going on to Ben Simmons, I mean, that's a really, really good question. So basically, Ben Simmons is a guy who uh, the whole of Philadelphia seemed to turn on um, in the playoffs last year where he turned, he, he kind of shut down offensively. Now, he's a guy who can't shoot to save his life. I think he's hit I mean, like four three-pointers in his entire career. When he hit his first one, there were literally celebrations in the streets. I mean you know, any, any bog standard player can hit a three pointer and he really can't, he can't shoot, save his life. Uh, but he's an amazing defender. He's amazing, you know, with his assists and running the offense. Uh, and yeah, and, he, and he, I think he's just kind of had enough with the burden being placed on him and, uh, how people reacted to him in, in the playoffs last year. And he held out basically with the want of a trade elsewhere that has not originated at all. Um, and yeah, I, I think to be fair that the um, 76ers want an absolute killer deal. Like, you know, it's about three first round picks and a good player. And Ben Simmons for a guy, you know, he's a guy who can't shoot. You, you know, you can't have that in basketball. I mean, you can have that as a luxury and he's a good player, but I wouldn't be trading multiple first round picks for that. So um, not from my point of view. Um, it's a horrible situation. Daryl Morey, the uh, GM of 76ers, is not budging. Ben Simmons doesn't seem to be budging. He got fined for professional conduct, uh, detrimental to the team before the first game and was banned for a game, which I think was partly just an excuse so he didn't have to play. And it's just it's just a weird situation. And it may be affecting the 76ers' possible playoff run because they are a very good team. And uh, Joel Embiid is a very, very good player, although he is injured at the moment. Um, so yeah, this is a weird situation and one to keep an eye on and I'm sure I'll come back to it in the next few weeks. Thank you for that, Si. I was just looking at the table actually and your your state of emotion isn't shouldn't be that bad, should it? I, I was going to say, I almost put on our little uh, Google Doc, I said, with one exception. The Bears are so, currently leading the, the league. 
The Bulls. Uh, the Bears. The, Bulls the Bears are, currently... are doing shit. Yeah, um, sorry. Yeah. The Bulls are currently leading the league. Yes, they are the best team in the NBA <laughs> yeah. at this moment with wins they against are. Boston, the Jazz, uh, and a few other people. So, six, yeah. Six for one. I know. So that is my shining light right now. So when that falls apart, <laughs> I'm going to be and a very, will. <laughs> very sad, depressed man. So they did lose to a certain team. Their one loss came against, do you know who? Uh, I do not actually. Who was it? New York. Was it against the Knicks? Yeah. There you go. We're five for two. Um, Yeah. Well, there you go. Like you say, it's early days and and I'm sure things will iron out. But as as we've seen in other seasons, uh, most recently, who knows what might happen, as you've just discussed. Um, Right. Thank you for that. So, of course, in your absence, we had a couple of shows, uh, one of which we had friend of the show, Paul, join us for an F1 special. Um, always a joy and a pleasure to speak to that man. And Ben and I had a great time with him. Um, and then last week, we were so lucky to be joined by Anthony Cotterell, who is a um, wheelchair tennis player, a uh, pro athlete. Um, he was a para- two-time Paralympian uh, for uh, in Rio and in Tokyo. And we had a great chat with him, didn't we, Ben? Uh, and so much came up. It was wonderful. Genuinely, uh, one of my favorite episodes we've recorded. All the ones without Simon seem to be the the <laughs> best. Um, I like how he rambles on for 24 minutes about American sports and doesn't get shouted out for time. And I talk about Liverpool for like literally eight minutes and get uh, shellacked. I I talked about multiple different sports. You talked about one team. That was a glory you know, that was just a, a case of just... And he's back. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Listen, yeah. I, I don't want to say too much now because uh, I need to maybe talk about Liverpool in a bit. Anyway, so let's let first talk about Anthony Cotter. Absolutely wonderful. I was super interested to hear a couple of specific details. But what about the recovery process in the spinal unit? He talked about how sport was used as a method of recovery which then gave Anthony an opportunity to develop, to develop skills and become a world-class wheelchair tennis player. And also meeting Mark Eccleston, the story about that was obviously a clear, mm. clearly a big motivator in, in a lot of aspects. I also found his responses to the Tokyo loss, which we spoke mm. about before the show, Dan. It's like, I'm going to ask, and you're like, do you have to be a see you next Tuesday and ask those questions? But <laughs> it was it was important <laughs> to... Um, Am I allowed to say that? I'll, we'll move on. I found his response to the Tokyo honest because he was brutally honest. He basically yeah. said, listen, that was a difficult, difficult time. This was the situation. This is how I dealt with it. This is how you move on. And it was interesting to see there was here there was a bit of ambiguity about his kind of future career. He wasn't mm. quite decided yet how the next couple of years are going. But well, local- I think I think that thing on the Tokyo was particular is what particularly interested me. Um, you know. The story, there was a couple of stories around bounce back, you know, um, you know, how he bounced back from not make, you know, just missing out on uh, Beijing uh, and then so on. <clears throat> but the Tokyo story is particularly interesting because, of course, when you watch this stuff on telly and you see the athletes performing, you don't see all the nitty gritty in the background and, and, you know, the players literally looking at their phone going, look, it's going to rain. And like, you know, the officials going, no, it's not in the forecast, blah, blah, blah. We worked to the schedule. This is what's happening. You'll move here. You'll move there. And all the admin <laughs> hanging around and like working to a time, eating to a time, training to a time, and then having to adjust, hang around and the heat and the rain and, and the knock on and the impact. And, and then as he made clear a couple of times through the show, which is, you know, neither team, was more disadvantaged than the other. They were both disadvantaged by it. And in the end, it just 
came it just didn't go their way and they they lost as a team um but i thought i found that fascinating because you don't get that any of that by watching it on tv you don't get that insight and it was really honest honest account from him well of course you know we always tune in and you see the the, the pinnacle show showtime you don't see those logistics you don't see the build-up you don't see yeah. all the difficulties around organization especially in those situations where the weather's affecting the uh, the tournament was delayed because there was some scheduling issues uh and obviously they lost it's such a tight three-set match but um Truly wonderful chap to uh, talk to, uh, Northwesterner, local lad, um, and had a couple of great stories. Um, Brill, brill episode. And one thing we know is, um, uh, you know, as a Paralympian and, and speaking to Ian Richards, an Olympian, is that phrase, once an Olympian, always an Olympian. And I'm sure the same with Anthony, you know, as he talked about what his future may hold is once a Paralympian, probably always a Paralympian. He'll always have that mindset of like, what now, what next? And I'm sure whatever he chooses to do next, it will be uh, something, you know, incredible. And certainly the the work he does, the outreach work he does is, uh, is really interesting as well. So if you haven't listened to that show, do go back back and check it out you can find it in the list of shows just gone through our twitter or our instagram at wednesday pod on either um and i'm delighted to say we are going to be joined by another guest at the end of this month um we're going to be joined by a professional um football player uh, so something, Simon, I saw you sort of wake up a little bit there. Oh, football. Um, so this is Adam L. Abd, and he is a ex-Brighton & Hove Albion player, 300 appearances for them. He's now currently a player and assistant manager for, for Whitehawk, uh, just on the outskirts of Brighton. And um, he's had a varied career uh, and was with Brighton through some mega seasons with them as well. Uh, so we're absolutely delighted that he's agreed to join us on the show uh, at the end of November. So we're going to have a chat with him. So same rules apply if you have questions for our guests you can uh, submit them through the links if you're listening on spotify or anchor you can leave a voice message on anchor or you can just get in touch with us on instagram or twitter at wednesday pod on either so that's coming up at the end of this month and we'll be sure to make sure you know about that from here on in ben what have you got for us in the uh, the week just gone Let's briefly stick with uh, Racket in Hand and talk about Andy Murray. Um, currently working his ass... That was a segue, by the way, what? Dan. <laughs> briefly stick with Racket in Hand. Oh, yeah. tennis. There it is. Got oh, wait, Dan. Now, no, Dan, what happened to I'd already to forgotten segues? about tennis. I was on what, football again. <laughs> what, happened to the, what happened to the segue? Simon... Did he not used to be the Segway King? Uh, I think you referred I'll to. I'll be honest. Words. I think Dan's been phoning it in for months. I'll be honest. I think the second season sucked syndrome, the energy from me. So yeah, second season syndrome. It's really hitting us hard. And uh, I'm going solo. Screw you guys. Dan is the Bielsa <laughs> in this trio. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a football reference. Anyway, Andy Murray. <laughs> um, Google's Bielsa. Yeah, legend S- sits on his uh, tuffet. B-L-S-A. Is it a tough it, Simon? Is it a tough it? Why did it just come up? Bielsa murderable. Yeah, listen. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what you what what, what settings you've got on your uh, private browser now. Uh, Andy Murray, Andy Murray, a great Scottish tennis player, <laughs> is uh, working his ass off at the moment. And the reason I want to mention it is because it's genuinely exciting to watch his grind to try and get back to where he may have been. And I know I talk about tennis because I love tennis. Um, he's just missing at the moment important matches, important moments in matches, not quite coming through. His latest loss came at the hands of Dominic Kupfer. 
in three sets. Murray failed to convert seven match points in this loss. Uh, that was over at the Paris Masters. He is playing quality opponents. He's on the highest level of the tour, but just not getting through these matches, not getting over the fence. Now, he's going to play at the Stockholm Open. I believe that's next week, which I understand is going to be the last tour of the season um, before making plans to kind of enjoy his off-season Christmas like we all should um, with possible exhibitions in the Gulf to keep the uh, dough rolling in. It's worth noting his AMC apparel is killing it at the moment. Andy Murray is not shy of a dollar. Um Quick note on that exhibition, Abu Dhabi. Uh, they've signed on Emma Raducanu, Dominic TM, Benchit, Shapovalov, a few other big names. Um, but keep an eye on that. 2022, Andy Murray is a dark horse for a major. You heard it here first. Now, I'm going to move quickly to football. I know we're going to talk about football at length. I think you said at the beginning of this podcast, Dan, that it's going to be a football pod i hope you meant I soccer did. football okay good i did um because am i gonna regret it <laughs> no probably <laughs> in the Simon's last, nodding. Uh, like in the last two dog. weeks or Ooh, last yeah. two two uh, pods we've not had simon we've also had specific things to talk about obviously the first one we had a great chat about mazapan with paul the second one we had a great chat about getting pissed in sao paulo with anthony cotterell but we've not been able to mention Liverpool scoring five at Old Trafford. I just want to go on record to say that we didn't miss it. The Liverpool shellacking of Manchester United at Old Trafford. Mohamed Salah became the first away player in Premier League history to score an, uh, a hat-trick at Old Trafford. All I want, Sai, is just a quick word from you. I mean, you obviously heard about the result. I don't know if you saw the whole game. It was absolute demolition and can i can yes. i just jump in and say um obviously see simon um socially every now and then um not because we not want willingly. to we have to <laughs> um <laughs> he's been dreading this <laughs> he's literally been dreading you bringing this up so i'm looking forward to his reply well, we're not going to talk about how bad his Villa team are doing right now, but uh, all you have to do is, is give me a little bit. I mean, just give me a few key words like, well done, well done. It's that simple. So the the big question I've got to ask you really is, uh, who said you could use the word shellacking? That's my word. <laughs> I had to Google that's, how it was spelled. That's not a podcast word. That's a Simon word. Damn okay. It. Sorry. He I, hasn't used it for two weeks on the bounce, to be fair. <laughs> I didn't use it while you were on the away. podcast. I mean, he might have done. You, you weren't listening, yeah. so. Might as well have to slept with There's my one way wife. to find out. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fantastic. I mean, fantastic performance. Um, I think it really goes to show how close to the precipice that um, Man United are, really. I mean, I know they had a good bounce back win against uh, Spurs that cost... Um, you know, his job, um, but uh, Nuno Espirito Santo, I should use his full name, um, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in in, in the meteor middle. Um, but yeah, fantastic for you guys. Um, I still don't think you're going to win the league, but, um, you know, great. Salah's in my fantasy football team that we're going to mention in a moment. Um, yeah, good. Good for you. Good for you to have a team that wins <laughs> thank, games. Thank you very much. Now, we're going to move on quickly because we actually weren't able to get over the over the line against Brighton at the weekend. 2-0. 2-0. Uh, two all, two all. Two all. Yeah, they're actually playing really good football at the moment. Against Graham my adopted Potter football is, team. Uh, Graham Potter, we should maybe talk about as the next Manchester United manager in this meeting middle. I don't know. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let, is, let us first 
look briefly where I've still got breath in my lungs at the Fantasy Premier League. Now, everyone, everyone had a bad week. Everyone had a bad week. It was pretty terrible. Highest score in our league is 53. Uh, But we've got basically no changes, although... Um, I dropped right down to the bottom, haven't I? Now, yeah, I think. yeah. You are. I think you're actually you're actually third from last. You're ahead of the oh, winning wow. one. Um, you got a good, decent game week. I don't know who you still got capped as because you had uh, Ronaldo captain, I think. Uh, but let's right. first talk at the top. Obi Wan Kenobi nil. Liam Hayes is actually doing really well now. At NFL Fantasy League as well. He's currently leading the way on 658 points. He's nearly, uh, he's 120 points ahead of the beautiful game. What <laughs> have you got, Simon, to, to what you, what can you do to bring yourself back into this? Europa League finish at the moment, mate. Fifth place, Simon, at the moment. Um, I, I've had a horrible weeks. Um, my teams that aren't performing, uh, it's the players' fault. It's not my fault. Um, <laughs> I'm throwing them under the bus. <laughs> throwing them it's under the, the bus. It's the players' fault. They've let me down. Uh, this is probably what Dean Smith is probably saying in his private moments right now. Um, no, uh, all credit to, I'm just, I'm just having a very average year so far. Even you've gone ahead of me. I was ahead of you for so long. And now, although I've managed to, I think I got two more points than you. Um, you should look at my team as well. I literally, all my subs didn't play and two of my players on the field didn't play as well. So it's it's just rinsed me this week. It, it's, it was a tough game week for a lot of people. I bought in Cornet, the, uh, mm. uh, Starlet, the new Starlet at Burnley, who scored three goals in a half for the first time in uh, 50,000 years. Um, but yeah, listen, you've got Smith Rowe in there, Edward Vardy. You've got some good players I think are going to come through. We should probably do a fantasy Premier League dream, um, a podcast at some point. Sounds good. <laughs> well, thank you for that wrap up, Ben, of the Fantasy Premier League. And thank you, Simon and Ben, for um, your delights of the week just gone. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram at WednesdayPod on either. Okay. Football. Go. I want to go first. <laughs> who's who's, who's going to lead us off here? So I know that you've got plenty to talk about because we've had basically three weeks now of just not being able to talk about football for various reasons. And as Ben has alluded to in uh, the intro or before this was stuff has been happening. Uh, 5-0, for example, Liverpool, things like that. So, Sai, uh, as uh, you know, you've been on hiatus for a couple of weeks. Do you want to lead in? No, I, I just like to say that as a true professional like myself, I put a list of things that I wanted to talk about. Ben has just put football, 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 which is very, very difficult to bounce off. So I'd like. Do you know what? He didn't even write that. I wrote that for. Oh him. right! Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> Hoping that, case, that he would I'd delete like, it and rewrite something. In it. He obviously saw it. He liked it. He obviously it came off as good for him, and, and he just went with it. So Ben, I'd like you to go first because I want to bounce <laughs> off you because I have no idea specifically what you would like to talk about. Okay, now in terms of football, 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 I don't want to talk about Liverpool at all in this whole meeting middle segment. What I do want to talk about is the managerial merry-go-round. We fucking love a managerial merry-go-round you can't tell me you don't. I love the drama. I love the um, paper talk. I love the rumors. And man, has there been some changes. You, We mentioned, obviously, Solskjaer was having a difficult time at Manchester United. There were reports, you know, he was going to lose his, his job. 
He then goes to Spurs and gets a win at, in reality, one of the worst Spurs sides I've ever seen. They were devoid of any attacking ability. They, they failed to have a shot on target at home. Got beat comfortably 3-0 against the counter-attacking Manchester United side. So what do they do? Get rid of Nuno Espirito Santo. And they have signed Conte. Now, the former Chelsea manager, Chelsea and Inter Milan manager, Signed a contract for twenty uh, to 2023 with an option to extend. That's something I want to talk about. Mm. I, I just want to say first that I think it's an excellent appointment. It comes with kind of obviously the funny narratives about Solskjaer because Conte rumours was was him going to the Manchester United job. Um, and obviously they comprehensively beat Spurs and he ends up going to, to London. Uh, they've got this stunning stadium. The facilities are world-class, incredible training pitches. I think that their squad is genuinely strong. I do. I think their first 11 is pretty good, uh, but they don't have enough to compete with what is becoming a real, real designated, separated top four again. And I've got questions that I want to ask you of this. Conte, I think, is a good move, but one, will he make it to 2023? Two, and this is a really big question that I don't think has been asked enough. Is 18 months realistically enough time to make a change at Spurs? And also, what on God's name is Daniel Levy want? What does he want from this Spurs side? They're nowhere near what Tuchel is doing at Chelsea, Klopp and Guardiola are doing their respective teams. Is it a good move? Are, are you feeling it, Si? And also, what is Conte going to be able to do in 18 months? So, um, first, I've got kind of a couple of, counter questions um good, so regarding good. Conte um he is a uh he's a very uh, different character he is like Mourinho on uh on steroids in terms of out you know outstaying his welcome uh he was at was inter for a very short period of time before being sacked slash asked to leave i think he won the title was it inter was it juve one one or the other um obviously same at chelsea success early and then kind of ousted out of the club very quickly afterwards so 18 months is usually his kind of lifespan i suppose at a club um, the I'll counter to that would be is as you said, like that's not going to be enough time at Spurs to make them into a winner. And to be perfectly honest, with paying the stadium and the way that Daniel Levy and the management team at Tottenham are, he would be given the funds anyway to be at that level of competitive. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, so it'd be very interesting. I think he's a very very good coach. Uh, he plays a very very interesting style of football that brings good results out of his team. Uh, as you said, there are some fantastic players at Spurs that, you know, uh, need a very, very good manager to bring that out of them. And maybe they have another gear. But, I mean, you're looking at fourth as their absolute ceiling this year, surely. I mean, and that is unlikely. Um, do you think that uh, Nuno was unlucky? Nuno plays pretty defensive football. Uh, I think... People didn't realize that Wolves, you know, Jimenez and Jota uh, kind of masked the fact that he actually sometimes played a back five. Uh, he kind of almost plays the Gareth Southgate formation in a lot of games. And I think Spurs fans wanted more. He was, what, five wins, five losses? In reality, do I think those results um, were terrible? Maybe not. I mean, 
five wins in the open 10 games for a team that, you know, really their talismanic striker has gone completely missing. I think he's got one goal, nine, 10 games or something like that. And that team really needs Harry Kane to fire. I think Nuno would have been able to build something there if he'd been given the time. How much of his backroom staff went from Wolves? I know there was a couple, but did he have that kind of surrounding? His replacement, Bruno Lager, is doing an incredible job at Wolves, sitting above him at the table and actually playing some lovely, lovely attacking football. That new striker, Huang, has just just come into the Premier League and is going to be, I think, uh, one of the, the big Asian players in the Premier League. But... Nuno wasn't given time. Four months. You can't do anything in four months. Absolute garbage. That's just that's just a chop and change. That's Watford business. Will Conte be able to come in and get them to the top four? Not a chance in hell. They, they cannot make top four this year. Even Manchester United with a ropey manager, Solskjaer, is still going to finish in the top four because of the quality they have in their squad and the depth they have. But people are talking about Spurs. Oh, they've got players like Del Alley. Fuck, Del Alli's not been good for five years. I don't give a crap about Del Alli. Del Alli's a championship quality player now. I've never seen, I've not seen a good game from Del Alli since the Pochettino days. So don't give me any of that business. They have Harry Kane and Son, who are two of the best in the league, no question. And then they've got a couple of okay players in and around. Hoiberg, Bergwijn, you know, okay, not amazing players. You know, they went and signed Doherty from Wolves, you know, a fullback. They've got some, um, they got a pretty poor keeper between the sticks in reality as well. There's no way in 18 months Conte can take them to a title-winning team. So why not get a young manager in and build, change the squad around? Secondly, what has happened to Goth? Secondly, thirdly, fifthly, tenly, what has happened to Carrie Kane? Why in God's name was he not allowed to go to Manchester City to have a career? Um, there's so many conversations and narratives and discussions around Spurs, but I do think Conte is better than Nuno. I think Conte will get Spurs to finish higher in the league, which is what I think Levy needs. You know, that stadium, I was there only a few weeks ago. It felt like an NFL stadium. Almost feels like football's the sideshow at the moment there. Yeah. Going off what you're saying, I, I completely agree that I think he was a little bit hard done by Nuno. Uh, I think ninth position is not unrealistic for that team with that squad. Um, I thought maybe it was something like Europe had taken its toll and maybe they weren't doing very well in Europe, but actually top of their group in the Europa League. Um, so they haven't been bad at all. I mean, they, they absolutely bossed Villa, but then that doesn't seem to be an issue these days for teams. Um, and what, also with Conti, what changed in those months? Because he was the number one target in the summer. And he turned the job down, basically. And then this started a farcical search for Spurs that went through something like 10 different managers and all of them turning it down. Was it just a money situation? Was it just a situation where he was just given an absolute shed load of money? Is it the idea that now he's a little bit of a scapegoat? So if it doesn't go well in the first season, he can argue, well, you know, we'd already lost five games, so that didn't help and blah, blah, blah. So a lot of stuff, interesting stuff to go with. As I said, I think Conte is a fantastic manager, probably a top three, four manager in, in the league easily. So I think he can get some results out of those players. But I, I, I agree with you and say it's unlikely that the success he'll be able to do in the short term is going to be sufficient enough, I guess, for Tottenham fans or the management team to be overall happy with. So it'll be very interesting down the line to see where that goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one final point I want to add, um, if that's okay, that Nuno required 
demanded work rate at Wolves. He did. It was one of the big things about Wolves. They worked hard every game. They were defensively sound. They, they had a good formation, a good idea, and they had Jimenez up top that could get 20 goals. And they finished, I think, when they bounced back into the Premier League, they finished sort of eighth or ninth. Really impressive. And they kind of cemented themselves as a top 10 side. They had a bit of a wobble, but that's fine. In the, in the 10 games at Spurs, I've not seen that work rate. I've not seen that desire. It just makes me think, how how has he not been able to get that across to the players? Because that's something that Conte will demand. That's one thing that Conte, he is a man manager. He is a player that will say, listen, you know, I'm happy to put my arm around you if you give me 100%. The moment you don't give me 100%, you are not going to play football. He'll bench, he'll bench superstars if they don't give him a shift. So is it just going to be a turnaround? Maybe it's going to be a case of a new manager and maybe, you know, you don't want to be Tottenham's next five games with Conte in charge because he's just going to be winning all five games and he's going to realise that he actually doesn't have any depth in the squad and an injury to Kane. Where do the goals come from? Absolutely agree with what you say. It is tricky and it, I'm going to take it on there to another manager in this manager merry-go-round whose team are playing tonight funnily enough and they think it might be his last game in charge and that's Unai Emery looks very 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 certain to join Newcastle now this is likely so this this is this hasn't been confirmed yet and we might come onto the uh, podcast next week and it'd be completely different but he left arsenal in kind of pretty bad circumstances he never really got a chance never really got to get the team playing the way that he likes to play football but since then he's taken villarreal to the europa league he's got i don't know four or five europa leagues in his back pocket this manager he just knows how to win that tournament we discussed last season um the game the never ending penalties game fantastic I think, again, it would be an exceptional move. I think the difference between Unai Emery and Bruce, Brucey, the quality difference is astonishing. Not to be mean to a thousand game Brucey, who knows the game more than most people on the planet ever will, but he will absolutely keep them in the Premier League and give them this effective platform to move up the table. Um, it's important to know he will also be able to get hold of players. People will want to come and play for Unai Emery. And that's a really important part for Newcastle right now. And that's acquisition is getting hold of fringe players, you know, like we're talking about Cruz and Bale. I'm not joking. These players are the ones being touted. These players that are maybe at that end of the career, they're maybe not going to stay with their squad. Um, you know, you could be looking at Ramsey. You could be looking at a few different players like this. and. I think Unai Emery could do that. Um, I think it's a much better appointment than someone like Steven Gerrard, not that he would, or Scott Parker, which I think we discussed. If it does happen, uh, Sai, do you think it's a good move? And also, do you think any manager can keep Newcastle up? They're, they're six points adrift already. So um, forgive me, I wasn't looking at my phone because you were uninteresting what you were saying. I was just literally looking to see if there was anything more confirmed. I'm always interesting. A rumor of Unai Emery as like the number one candidate. Um but nothing concrete. And therefore it is, I suppose, until it's confirmed a rumor. Uh, as you said, like we could be next week and it could be someone completely different. I mean, for example, I have a list here of all the other play all the other managers have been linked. Pedro Martins, uh, Unai Emery as we discussed, Eddie Howe has been getting a lot wow. of traction. 
um, Leonardo Jardim, who was, I believe, the manager of um, Monaco in 2017, and is uh, he's actually managing in Saudi Arabia right now. Um, it's those kind of guys. A lot of those those guys there. A lot of them are foreign managers. Limited. Um, limited experience within the Premier League for, for a lot of them, obviously Eddie Howe and uh, Emery being the exceptions there. I'd be a little bit worried if I was in Newcastle. I would almost want to get in in the short term someone, not I'm not saying you need to get like a Sam Allardyce. That would be like you going to say You can't like, get a Sam in. <laughs> but, but like someone maybe with a little bit more experience rather than someone maybe who hasn't I, I think there's a little bit of desperation around Newcastle that they need to start getting results Graham Jones has kind of been manning the helm in the short term and they haven't won a game in, in his uh, in his kind of uh, since then um, but at the same point um, you know it's, it's a really difficult situation for Newcastle I think there is a very realistic chance that they could get relegated because if you look at their team with the exception of Saint Maximan and a couple of other guys their team is their squad is not good there is not that many good players in that team. Uh, there is not many great youth players coming through that I'm aware of. Forgive me, I'm not a big fan of the Longstaff brothers as potential Premier League stalwarts. No. Um, so it would be a disaster. I don't think it would be the end of the world for them because they just have that money and they would just build from the championship. But I think it would delay their time scale back by three or four years because they have already come out and said they want to be at least challenging for the league or if not winning the league within the next five years. So a, a relegation down to the championship would completely derail that. They um, cannot I'm afford not, relegation. Yeah. They cannot Definitely. afford relegation. I, I just can't see Unai Emery going in the short term. I just can't. Um, I think there's too much at risk for him. Uh, he's onto a good thing at Villarreal. I think the Premier League has left a bad taste in his mouth. Now, maybe it would be different if they absolutely just dump a load of money, as we all know, because we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, the Saudi Arabian owners now have more money than most of the teams in the Premier League combined, if not all of them. Um, so they can pay whatever they need to pay. But you know, I'd be a little bit hesitant if I was him in the short term. Maybe allow a, someone in before him and then take over, you know, maybe a year down the line, two years down the line, if that's possible. But maybe maybe this is his shot. So uh, I don't know. I think they're desperate now and I think they're going to end up possibly overpaying on someone or bringing in, you know, like a Pedro Martins who, I mean, all fairness to him, he's been a great manager at Olympiacos, but he's managed Olympiacos. I mean... I would be a little bit worried if I was a Newcastle fan. I think there is a lot more uh, traction in this, a lot more kind of um, going down the road with all these different managers uh, without an end in sight. And I'd be a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I do understand the kind of apprehension maybe of Unai Emery taking the job because, I mean, right now his team are literally 1-0 up in the Champions League. I mean, he's playing Champions League football right now. It uh, looks like he might be able to get through the group stage to knock out. He'll be giving up knockout football to move to, uh, you know, the northeast of England uh, at winter um, if we're a team rock bottom, possibly, if Norwich get a couple of points. Um, and obviously the Longstaff brothers are not going to get Newcastle out of the mire. But if you, for instance, put someone like Eddie Howe in there, Newcastle are never getting up. One thing that Unai Emery might be able to do is he might be able to then bring in this list of players. Now, I'm not saying they'll be able to get everyone, but 
Connor Cody, James Tarkowski, Van der Beek, these are all players that are realistic. You know, if you come to Burnley with a £40 million offer for Tarkowski, they, they, they're going to buckle. You know, and Newcastle have the money to just go and get right. I need two defenders and I need a central midfielder. How about we go to Leicester, uh, Leicester and give £60 million for Ndidi? You know, they, can go, they can just say, right, here's £200 million kitty for January. Keep us in the Premier League. And I don't think Eddie Howe brings those players in, but I think Unai Emery might bring those players in. He's also got a couple of incredible power. Is the centre-back at Villarreal, who's been linked with, with with every good club in the world, could realistically make a move. I don't know how that would work, but hmm. I think Newcastle would do very well to get Unai Emery. The only issue there is maybe you're right. Would Unai Emery want to give up on the Champions League and go to uh, Newcastle? Um before uh, we completely glaze Daniel over, uh, there's another manager I want to talk about. It's not necessarily the merry-go-round. There's no way Dan's been listening to any of this. Um, is Mikel Arteta. Now, Arteta, only three months ago, was clinging to his job. And Arsenal backed him and said, listen, we really believe in this manager. He is going to get Arsenal playing the football that we believe in. He's got all of these young players, Saka, Smith-Rowe, they've added. Uh, they've got some solid defenders in now. You know, Tierney's looking really quality at left back. Gabriel's sat in there. And then they go and buy Ramsdale between the sticks. And everyone goes, 30 effing million on a relegation fodder keeper. Turns out he's the best keeper since Peter Schmeichel in the goddamn Premier League. I mean, the save he made at the weekend was unbelievable. Obviously, that's going too far. But what a turnaround. And that's why I mentioned Mikel Arteta. Does this prove that keeping hold of managers pays or is it just that specific circumstance in Arsenal? So obviously, it, I think it's weird to think that Mikel Arteta's only really been uh, the manager at uh, Arsenal for about two years now. If that, and it, yeah. it tends to be very much a roller coaster ride in that one minute he's, um, you know, winning the FA Cup and everything's hunky dory. And then the next minute they're, you know, they're bottom half of the league and they look dreadful. And as you say, he's clinging to his job. And we've been on, our, we're on a basically on our, our, we just had our second dip and now things are starting to get better again. Um, Who's thinking that this will continue uh, or and who's thinking that there will be another dip? Because I am under the idea that there'll probably be another dip. I still don't think they've got enough strength in depth. Um, Obama Yang is such a wild card. He's such a fantastic player, but he has a tendency to just decide not to play for some reason or uh, leave the country or whatever, uh, which you can't rely on. Um, Smith Rowe has is, is played really well this year. But I mean, you know, there's no guarantee he'll be able to keep that up consistently. So yeah, I mean, Arteta's, I mean, fantastic for Arsenal to keep him on. But I mean, Arsenal's still, what are they, mid-table at the moment? So we have to kind of rein it in a little bit. It's not like they're in the top four at the moment. So Yeah, they're only they're only three points behind West Ham, the sixth mm. place. So yeah. they are kind of turned on a little bit. They've only scored 12 goals. Goal scoring is an issue for them. There's a big sort of difference between the top five teams, including West Ham, and and the bottom. And I, I appreciate that Arteta does need a striker. There's no question. Lacazette and Aubameyang are simply not scoring enough goals, and you're not getting enough goals from the midfield. And Pepe was one of the biggest wastes of monies in the history of the Premier League spending. But if they can sign a striker... Uh, I think Arteta will be backed and I think Arteta could become a Wenger Mark II. I really do. I think we could see him there in a couple of decades. So 
um, as you say, I saw Dan literally zombifying before our eyes a few minutes ago, <laughs> so um, which actually kind of startled me a little bit and actually uh, made me ring his wife briefly to tell her to barricade the doors. Um, so I wondered what the hammering was. <laughs> so um, the only thing is, what's Arsenal's ceiling as a club at the moment? Probably sixth. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's crazy, right? Frightening. Um, I think Arsene Wenger kept them in the top four for two decades. Yeah. We haven't even talked about Leicester and how Leicester have been playing at the moment. Well, they mid-table as well, uh, having what appears to be a bit of a European hangover because they're doing well yeah. in Europe. But, I mean, they're 12th, 11th or something like that. They're not playing very well. They've beaten some great teams and lost to some bad teams. It's been a, it's been a crazy situation for them. I think the Premier League is, is still working out the kinks. And I think the good teams will eventually get better. That's my hopes with Villa. For fuck's sake, we can't be any worse than we have been so far. Um, but yeah, it's been a crazy situation and, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams, I think in that middle class now, and it's just about where they all fold out at the end of the year. I think Arsenal could be anywhere from fifth to, to 14th easily. Yeah. I think what we said earlier at the top of the show about the NFL it is kind of exciting that we're seeing these teams change around, you know, and you had 30 years when Liverpool didn't win anything. Now we're kind of okay, but we've got two more years of Klopp and then we're going to be back in, you know, the mid table again. So it all goes around. Pep Guardiola is probably only going to be at City for another couple of years. Newcastle are going to come like the Phoenix from the ashes and come flying up the table. It's going to be incredible. Manchester United are currently getting beat by Atalanta and going out of the Champions League. So it's actually insane. There's going to be more merry-go-rounds. I still, I stay by the end of the season. I don't think Solskjaer will be Manchester United manager. And I'm very excited to see who is going to be Newcastle United manager. I was literally just about to ask you, is Ole gone if he loses this game? I think. I think if he doesn't qualify for the Champions League knockouts, he has mm. to be dropped and they have to go and get a, realistically have to go and get a manager for the future. I think the gamble is Graham Potter. I think even more of a gamble would be to bring back Moyes. Um, but I think they can go and get, um, I don't know. I actually don't know. This is the problem. Conte would have been the, would have been the good, good choice. Yeah, I mean, although I suppose that doesn't go with your long-term plan if you're Man United no. either, does it really? Um, I just wanted to kind of go on a couple of little things. I, uh, if, you, if you're not finished, as I said, I really want to do this quickly because Dan, I feel, is fused to his chair. Should we ask um, Dan who he thinks could yeah. be option for Manchester United manager? Yeah. Dan. I, I think at this stage I can be an option. Oh, You do know so much about football now after this, after this specific <laughs> hour-long episode. So I just wanted to talk, touch on two things briefly. They're not managerial based, but I just want to talk about Sergio Ramos. I read in La Parisienne uh, the other day that um, I believe his contract may be cancelled. He hasn't played a game since he arrived uh, five months ago. Um, and obviously, Ben, you, you and I were talking about how, how great these, you know, these free transfers were. And I said he hasn't played a game. He's on 10 million a year. Um, so yeah, there's likely that this 35 year old defender is not going to play a single game for PSG. It could end up being the last game of his career. Who knows? Um, who knows? Im who knows imagine, what the future holds for him? Imagine getting paid 10 million a year for rehab, physical yeah. rehab. He's doing like leg pogos up and down. He's got like the, the elastic bands going on. He's getting paid 10 million a year for that. I would say Paris Saint-Germain dominating the league, but you know, the players aren't quite gelling. Mbappe is going to go to Real Madrid. Barcelona, managerless. Koeman's gone. Talk of Xavi coming back in. 
God, I love football, soccer, whatever you <laughs> want to call it. Merry go round, and I think we should let Dan talk about Formula One. So, yeah, I do have one. If if you okay. give me one, it's just going to be two. Ask Dan. Thing. Ask Dan because he's Dan, the one. Oh, no, this is this is this is your time to shine, please, boys. Please, this is my wedding present. Um, <laughs> so uh, is your wedding present next week, sir? So you have to come back not happy. Oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. It's good to be back. Um, so Michelle Platini and Sepp Blatter, uh, they were charged today by a court in uh, Switzerland of fraud for a payment made, I think, in the was it early 2010s, that sort of region, to Platini as requested for back pay for previous consultation work under Sepp Blatter in his first term. I think it was between 98 and 2002. Um Basically, it turns out that that was just a massive bribe for the support of UEFA president um, because of the fact that at that time in the early 2000s, uh, 2010s, Blatter was under a, a serious challenge to his leadership by a Qatari gentleman, uh, is it Hamam, I think his name was, who, uh, who was going into an election with at the same point. Um, so this has turned out to be complete falsehood. Um, and if found guilty, these two guys could end up in prison, which... Um, let's be honest, there's probably a lot more in FIFA and UEFA that could be in prison. Um, and uh, interesting that someone's getting prosecuted for it for once. They belong in jail. But they're old. There you go. And they've got millions, <laughs> so they probably won't go to jail. There you go, it's judge, jury, and yeah, it'll be suspended at best, right? Uh, worst, uh, worst or best, depending which way you, you come from that argument, that side of the argument. Uh, well, thank you ever so much, gentlemen. That does bring us to the end of the football meaty middle. Um, but of course, uh, if you have any uh, insight you want to drive into this as well, or anything you want to come back to with what Ben and Simon have contributed to the merry-go-round conversation, um, as we like to talk about, then please do get in touch with us on Twitter or Instagram at Wednesday Pod. And here we are. We are into the, uh, the, the, the final minute of uh, this show where we typically look to the week ahead and get excited about all things sport and all the things happening because all the sport's happening all the time and we get really excited. So I've got a big list here. I've got the name Ben, the name Simon, and then the name Dan. So next to Ben, nothing. Next to Simon, nothing. So I've actually got something to talk about because apparently the only thing happening in sport this week coming up is the Mexican Grand Prix, uh, which is always an exciting Grand Prix to check out. Uh, so we'll be watching that. And for anyone that's been following Formula One this year or listened to our F1 show with Paul a little while ago, uh, we know that this championship is hotting up to be a very exciting finish between Verstappen and Hamilton over the next uh, final six races. Um, ben, are you looking forward to this? Is it this weekend? Yes, it is. I am going to make some enchiladas and um, watch wow. the Grand Prix. <laughs> cool. So, and drink um, at tequila. Is that whoa, right? Whoa, 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 Dan. Uh, cultural appropriation. Um, I think I will listen. I mean, it's incredible. The only race I'm not going to watch, obviously, is Saudi Arabia, utter garbage. But um, I think this is going to be a hammy win. Simon, what do you think? I would, oh yeah, definitely a hammy win. Um, I don't know who hammy is, but uh, it would be <laughs> great if he was. I'm guessing he's a hamster. Um, so uh, my question is, Ben, do you always eat and drink something from that uh, nationality of racetrack? So, I mean... 
I'd like that to be your new thing from now on that you effectively are, you know, Belgian chocolates, you know, whatever you fancy, mate. I think so this is Paul, the thing the Paul and I and another couple of friends did this a few years ago. We did it for one race. It was We set out best intentions, but we did it for Australia, which was the opening race of the season. So at like, I don't know, whatever ridiculous time the Australian race is on, it's like seven in the morning or something like that, isn't it, Ben? Five or six or something? Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, we were like having like beans on crisps with like, fosters or something it was some really weird like garbage food that's apparently australian <laughs> it was rough stuff to eat at that time in the morning what would News. you what would you do for the saudi arabian grand prix just throw bricks at women <laughs> wow okay so and then we got cancelled Yes. Um, moving on then. So uh, just the final thing on Formula One, I will just say, um, I was just doing a bit of Googling about it earlier on and I was trying to find some other detail, but I, I stumbled across something by a uh, person on uh, who I see on Twitter called Chain Bear and they do a load of video explainers about Formula One and they're, they're, they're wicked. It's wicked. Like check it out, um, Chain Bear on Twitter. Um, but one of the, the article that I happened across was where they had worked out the earliest someone could win the championship in a season. So we've talked at length about how close this <coughs> championship is. And um, they they mathematically worked out how early. So this is before sprint races, but in the new era where it's 25 points for a win and so on, and one point for a fastest lap, the earliest someone could win a race in a 21 season uh, race Ben what's the earliest someone could win Monza uh, uh, number race number 12 correct oh god I've, I've never even heard of this that's just a guess well done and the latest uh, is uh, 17 in some weird mathematical or well, surely the thing. latest is the final race yeah if this person uh, so if this person gets the um, wins every race and gets fastest lap every race. Oh, What's so, the some, latest they oh so, so yeah. someone will finish second. So basically, seven point gap each row. Okay, yeah, I get. It. Well, no, because then that it pushes it further. So, yeah, it's it's an insane amount of maths and numbers and charts and tables and graphs. But yeah, twelve race twelve is the earliest someone could win. Um, but there has been a number of uh, one point finishes you know uh, and things like that and close finishes taking it to the last race but this season is starting to look really exciting and it, it what will make it a bit unusual as well is um well not unusual but one thing we don't uh, see every year is the two contenders um being the one to t- you know uh, to win it f- for themselves rather than say a bat marker lose it for for the other person that kind of thing um there know, is so a it's play for we don't know what's going to happen yeah, I mean, I think you go back to 2007 and it was one point between Kimi Raikkonen who won the title in his Ferrari and then behind him it was uh, Fernando Alonso and Lewis Hamilton both in the McLaren. I think that was a Spygate yeah. scandal back then. Um, so we have had these closers, but we, we, we do not want, we, we echoed this and talked about this with Paul, we do not want it to be decided on reliability in the last yeah. race. So or Timo Glock on slicks in Brazil. Yeah, or he, Timo might just, just come <laughs> rallying onto the course at Abu Dhabi, I don't know. Yeah, cool. All right, so that's exciting. Um, right, final final word then from either of you. Anything to look forward to? Despair. Formula One and NFL. Sorry. 
Um, well, Villa play on Friday night. I don't have my hands up. My hands up for some reason. Um, Villa play on Friday night. So um, maybe this is the end of Dean Smith if they don't win, uh, which would be very sad. As a uh, you know, he's a guy who's brought a lot of happiness to my life over the last few years. But um, hopefully they do, and Villa start climbing the table because it has been a horrible last few weeks. Um, but also, I'd like to apologise for one of my co co my my co hosts co hosts. Yeah. Um, abject racism, disgusting comments. Um, I do not think that Australian food is disgusting and trashy. Um, and would like to apologise. <laughs> this one particular behalf. dish was disgusting and trashy. I can't remember what it was. Foster's is Foster's even Australian. I think it's people didn't actually drink Foster's. We drank something else, but um, it was it, it was something with beans on. I, I can't remember what it was. Fuck! I should have found out. I chicken parma. Chicken parma. Parmigiana. Yeah, chicken anyway. parmigiana. That's what it's not. It's Australian chicken parm. I think that's Aussie. Yeah, no. drinking at five in the morning is Aussie enough, Dan. You could just that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of fun, but we didn't manage to carry it on, unfortunately. But we should uh, aim to do that next season, Ben. You and I, it's on. Yes. Like Donkey Kong. That nicely brings us up to the end of the show. Of course, if you've got anything to say to us, I just want to say, hey, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wednesday Pod. But that is all that's time for for this last Wednesday of the week. Simon, it's been a delight to have you back, is what I'd like to say. Um, but I look forward to chatting with you next week as well. Um, ben, I hope you feel better soon. Well, same to you as Si. And um, until next time, all that's left to say is, I've been Dan. I have been Simon. And I've been Ben. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Ta-da.